Hello, everybody. Welcome back once again to the Infinite Jest Book Club and podcast and uh, 45-step program. Um, I am joined, as usual, by Kevin and Hime. We may have uh, some other folks joining. We never know on a Sunday afternoon. Uh, but Happy New Year. Hope everybody had good holidays and such. Um, We've had a little bit of a hiatus. We did a kind of mini episode, but I had streamed it on Instagram live. And for some reason, after that, I couldn't download the sound uh, to post. So um, if if we have to swing back for those two chapters, we may. Um, But guys, can you remind me what page we're on? I think 548. 548. Awesome. That's what I had, but I just wanted to make sure because, you know, sometimes everything just kind of runs together. Um, So page 548, early November, year of the Depend Adult Undergarment. Um, So we got a... Rob the God, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the only bona fide black malleable thing about Rodney Tyne, chief U.S. Office of Unspecified Services, his special metric ruler. So he has a ruler locked in his desk that he measures his dick with every day, right? Um ever since he was 12. (laughs) So, um, and a telescoping traveling model of the ruler he travels with. Uh, Wow. So, um, yeah. And then, uh, (laughs) that's a good start, right? Yeah, really. um, So, so what, what do we got going on here? Um, you know, it's, so this is kind of another, um, a different narrative, um, of the entertainment, right? Uh, the unwatchable underground entertainment cartridge that at first seemed to be just popping haphazardly up in random locales a film with certain he's given to understand from briefings, quote, qualities such that whoever saw it wanted nothing else ever in life but to see it again and then again and so on. So it popped up in Berkeley, New California, in the home of a film scholar and his male companion, neither of whom had appeared for appointments for days. So um, I think it's mentioned that that is a film scholar that kind of panned um, some of himself's work, right? Yeah. And it sounds like may have also, I can't remember the exact wording, but um, it seems like he may have also been one of the originals that was head over heels um, into the found drama like, oh my God, this is so this this is a life changing thing that he's doing, um, and then found out what was happening and was like, what the fuck? So, um, 
I think it's mentioned that that is probably a reason for him um, maybe turning against himself as an artist and such. Um, And uh, so, yeah, again, the two cops dispatched to the Berkeley home, the six cops dispatched after the two cops never followed up their code five. The watch sergeant and partner dispatched after them, 17 police, paramedics, and teleputer technicians in all. Uh, And this is, um, and now lost to meaningful human activity henceforward. So these are all the people who are now drooling vegetables, it seems. Um, 17 cops, uh, paramedics, until the lethality of whatever they'd caught sight of presented itself with enough clarity for somebody to think to go around the back and kill the Berkeley Holmes power. Uh, Then it popped up in New Iberia, Louisiana. Uh, Tempe, Arizona had lost two thirds of the attendees of an avant-garde film festival in ASU's entertainment studies before a level-headed custodian killed the building's whole grid. Uh, so Johnny Gentle, famous crooner, had been apprised about the thing only after it had popped up and taken out a diplomatically immune Near Eastern medical attache and a dozen incidentals here in Boston late spring. Uh, so, um, yeah, so Rodney Tyne toured uh, a ward where all these people live now. The person's lives' meanings had collapsed to such a narrow focus that no other activity or connection could hold their attention. Um, It's funny. I saw a thing today that was basically, you know, like allegorically just saying that like our brains were not meant. I mean, think of the whole of human existence and you know, I don't, I don't know how long these fucking things have existed. You know, 15 years or so, the cell phone. So since then, we are constantly stimulated. And, and our brain just isn't built for that. And it hasn't had time to adapt to it. Um, you know, I, I, I think you guys are old enough to remember life without cell phones, right? Like, how the fuck did we do it? You know, I very regularly, I would go to concerts with my friends and I never had to leave any of them there. I never got left there. Somehow we all were able to find each other in this mass of people without a cell phone. Um, You know, and someone was talking about it the other day. We, I was working on a film and, um, they were just like, what did we do without cell phones? It was like, we fucking talked to each other. Yeah. You know, we we used our imagination. We went outside to play. We we interacted with people, I think, is more, you know, really the big one. Um, but, you know, how many people, and you, you, see, you see it every day, how many people choose to fuck around on their phone rather than interacting with people. Mm. Uh, so 
you know, I, I would say, I think that that is, you know, maybe if you think about the, the lethality of the entertainment and say, well, this is, this is pretty fucking far-fetched. Yeah. I mean, go look in a waiting room, you know, at a doctor's office or something, and everybody is on their phone ignoring the people around them. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, every once in a while, I wonder what would Wallace make of some of the shit that, you know, is our every day. Mm. Um, I can't, you know, I, I don't, maybe he'd already be onto something else. Maybe he'd already be on to predicting shit that's ha- going to happen 10 mm-hmm. years from now. Um, I don't know. Um, so the, uh, Tempe and New Iberia cartridges are in custody, vaulted. A sociopathic and mentally retarded Lance Corporal at Leavenworth, strapped down with electrode appliques and headset recorder, was able to record report that the thing apparently opens with an engaging and high-quality cinematic shot of a veiled woman going through a large building's revolving doors and catching a glimpse of someone else in the revolving doors. Somebody the sight of whom makes her veil billow before the subject's mental and spiritual energies abruptly decline to a point where even near lethal voltages through the electrodes couldn't divert his attention. Um, so it, it seems like um, it doesn't take a lot of the entertainment to really you know, put people, uh, in the psych ward. Um, and all right. So, uh, so the U S is Canadian problem is O S O U S anti anti Onan activities agencies, special province. Like Jesus Christ. So, um, so yeah, they're they're trying to find the entertainment. They're trying to find this tape, this cartridge, um, but they can't watch it, um, and it's unlabeled. Um, they do so. The uh, maddening interviews of those civilians exposed placed the likely dissemination point someplace along the U.S. north border with routing hubs in Metro Boston, New Bedford, and or somewhere in the desert southwest. Um, So I I think, and we've certainly talked about this before, but it certainly seems like Oren is probably the one that is sending out the entertainment, right? Mm. Um, as it says in the footnote that um, dissemination or distribution was to be handled posthumously or something, um, which you know leads me to believe that Oren had to know that that was what his father wanted, um, which would have been an interesting scene to put in the book, but. I get, he probably thought he was running kind of long already, so he didn't, didn't, I'm joking. Um, 
Jamie, there's also always the possibility that somebody else is um, disseminating it, but making it look like it's Orin. Yes. And certainly that's easy enough to kind of just go somewhere else, chuck it in the mail and come back. So it's sort of a kind of a, such a sort of a fuzzy thing, you know, same thing with Boston. It could be anybody that's just- I, I agree. You have any idea who it may be? I mean, an, or, or just throwing it out there? Yeah, I mean, certainly, yeah, it's always, Oren's always been kind of the easy target, I think, but I think mm-hmm. that's almost, you know, it's like, you know, yeah, just because of the Louisiana thing, he used to be in New Orleans, so it seems to be kind of following him around, you know? Yeah. So, um, easy blame, but. And, I mean, really, I, and I agree, um, also, Steeply and Marath keep those same. Yeah, True circles right they're between boston and arizona um i don't recall mention of them being the whataburgers there so so is you know everybody from eta and all that stuff so it's kind of you know it's yes great uh great point um i i think it's probably orin but i don't know that there's definitive evidence of it um certainly nothing that we've seen yet um so um that you know again just kind of a a little two pages here just a little bit more um you know really this is the first time that we hear about the entertainment from this side of the fence right um because before that it's all uh steeply and marath talking about it that's what i was going to say is it seems like for some strange reason or for some reason right now in November, like the government is finally starting to take this thing seriously is kind of what I'm getting from these couple of pages. It's like, all right, now like mm. the FBI per se is like kind of getting in and, and actually going to like try to address this situation and try to stop it. Whereas before it might've just been kind of happening and not really, um, you know, Office of Unspecified Services or whatever was not really involved in it. But now. Yeah. Um, And, you know, uh, I will take it at face value, but, you know, it it says that the thing that, you know, made it a little bit more urgent was the medical attache um, who has diplomatic Mm -hmm. immunity, um, you know, so um you know the uh the the film critic and his gay lover didn't really and 17 cops and paramedics didn't really set send up any flags but apparently the the middle east attache did yeah uh um, he was valuable man he he, he was needed i guess so <laughs> i guess oh, or his wife was like the ladies <laughs> the squash game will never be the same again um all right, so moving on from there, we have late PM, Monday, 9 November, year of the Depend Adult Undergarment. Yep. Uh, for reasons that Pemulus couldn't for the life of him, Orthostice seemed to be in there in Dr. Dolores Rusk's office, interfacing well after regular hours. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Pemulus hears Ortho talking. Um to Dolores Rusk, et cetera, and, and talking again about objects. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like he's, I don't want to say he's fact-checking Lyle, but 
Um, mm. You know, he Ortho is still bothered by objects that keep moving, um, which I suppose many of us would be, right? Um, you know, like, hey, I didn't leave my bed there. That's weird. Um, so, yeah, there is that. Uh, um, and then, uh, I don't play with no goddamn action figurines. Uh, G.I. Joe typically being cathected as an image of the potent but antagonistic father, the military man, with G.I. representing at once the general issue of a weapon, the Oedipal child both covets and fears, and a well-known medical acronym for the gastrointestinal tract. Um, so then, uh, and it, it's funny here, there's the, you know, there's a lot of Oedipal language right and, and talk about oedipus uh oedipal phases desire to control the bowels in order to impress or quote win the mother um okay so so you're saying i'm overestimating objects um so ortho doesn't fucking know you, you know he you can <laughs> You, you can almost you almost get the sense that, that he's he's close to losing his shit here right <laughs> like he, he's he's already gone to Lyle and you know nobody likes dr Ruskett doesn't seem like so for her to be in him to be in there after hours talking to her you know something must be happening um and her hypothesis i'm saying there's a very young ortho in there with some very real abandonment issues who needs some nurturing and championing from the older ortho instead of indulging in fantasies of omnipotence i ain't omnipotent and i don't want to x no goddamn barbie doll uh so uh yeah and his voice goes up and cracks as he says something about his bed <laughs> um so uh Pemulus keeps moving, right? And um yeah, and you know, he's, he's kind of how would you describe Pemulus in this scene? You know, I I guess I I wondered like is he like is he dressed up like a jester? Like he's like wearing like a like a clown like a like you know they just have his outfit and it just like if I'm as I'm reading and I'm picturing it and it like it sounds like he's wearing parachute pants and yeah. you know a, a orange turtleneck and uh, you know a, a English sport coat and uh, you know um, with his yachting hat and all that stuff and I'm just kind of like what is he actually being described as you know yeah um, second hand here. It says, uh, Jim Trolch had been coming down B's Hall just as Pemulus was leaving and said Pemulus looked like a hangover. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's dressed like a jackass for sure. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah, the sport coat's checked arms were several centimeters too short 
and exposed ribbed cuffs of shiny orange acetate esters. Um, yeah, I don't don't really understand why he's dressed this way. Um, get any idea? Well, it says they're using the word insulin, so I wonder if he. And we know that he's he's described as being very paranoid, like he's probably maybe insecure, but of course he doesn't want to show it. So it helps him feel to to wear that outfit, giving the impression that he is daring or brave or insolent, maybe helps him to feel better, like more confident. I don't know. I think it, it, it maybe could, cer could certainly be he may because. Because, I mean, what is he here to do? He, he wants to talk to Abro. Is this the scene? I yes. Don't yes. See. Uh, he so, needs to be prepared. Yeah. Um, I firmly believe that he knows exactly what he's walking into. That he was going to see what he saw? He knew? Do you think he knew that? It, it seems to me, um, um, you know, I mean, he's, he's here for a reason. Um, he's uh, the old wallabies were from Pemulus's older brothers. Um, yeah, at one point he's snapping his fingers softly. He's not nervous, I don't think. You know, uh, Pemulus moved noiselessly northeast to southwest across the lobby shag. Um, ET, the ETA lobby was pitch black. Remember, it was blue the last time they were here. Uh, the outer academy door is locked. There was an odd vehicular shape near the north wall's trophy case that Pemulus didn't pause to investigate. Um, he lifted mm. up slightly to keep the little hall's door from squeaking as he opened it and entered the admin reception area, snapping his fingers softly to himself. A loose music played in his head. Um, so again, this is not the first time he's done this. Um, you know, kind of walked through this area in the middle of the night. Um, uh, yeah, so it wasn't totally quiet. Light came from Mrs. Ink's doorway and from the crack under Tavis's inner door. Um, so Pemulus fucks around with her chair a little bit uh, as he made a very quick survey of the material on her desk. Um, so presumably seeing if he is going to the Whataburger, right? Um so two of her five drawers were still locked. Pemulus scanned behind him and popped another breath mint and sat quietly for a moment. Um, his fingers in a steeple under his nose, considering. Um, considering what? You know, I. I yeah. It, it's. Um, yeah, all right, so yeah, Pemulus is on the stair blaster, which is just so funny. Like, you know, do, do you think Tavis knows what's up yeah. with Avril and John Wayne? Yeah, that was my question too. Of like, and he's right next door, right? 
And there's no, I don't remember, but there's there's no door between those two offices. So if he's here, if he is up in his office, he's supposed to, he can see. I got what, the, maybe the happened. doors were kind of like they're oh, all. Oh, oh, uh, uh, okay. His doors closed and hurt, but still, I mean, uh, you know, he opens so the door. Uh, right. Those that she right. right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's either. You know, it's either she's got brass balls or she, you know, she doesn't care if he finds out or he already knows. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because you know, it, it's not very, very surreptitious yeah. in any case. Like, yeah, I mean, we, we don't, we don't need to run down a list of better ways to commit statutory rape, but um, this is probably. Uh, not the most efficient. Um, Pemulus's ensemble's belt was a plastic thing with chintzy fake Navajo beading purchased by little Chip Sweeney at one of last fall's Whataburger's souvenir stands and subsequently transferred to Pemulus during a big buddy tennis as game of chance exercise. Um, so the doorless dean of academic affairs office was a blazing rectangle of light. The light didn't spill very far, however. At close range, sounds issued from the office, but not exactly words. Pemulus checked his fly and snapped his fingers under his own nose and assumed a business-like stride and rapped firmly on the doorless jam without breaking stride. Uh... He stopped once he was all the way in. 18A John Wayne and Hales Mumsley Wumsley were both in the front of the office. They were about maybe two meters apart. The room was lit overhead and by four standing lamps. Um, so, so John Wayne wore a football helmet and light shoulder pads and a Russell athletic supporter and socks and shoes and nothing else. He was in a three-point stance. Uh, Avril wore a little green and white cheerleaders outfit and had a big brass whistle. Um, she was about two meters from Wayne doing near splits on the heavy shag, one arm up and pretending to blow the whistle while Wayne produced the classic low register growling sounds. Uh, I probably won't even waste everybody's time asking if I'm interrupting, Pamulus said. <laughs> Um, and yeah, um, what do you, what do you think, uh, JW makes of this here? John Wayne. Who knows, man? Cause Pemulus, uh, just hoping for a second of your time. He says to Avril, um, making a point of not looking below her eyes. Um, but so John Wayne straightened up, moved toward his clothing with no little dignity. Hmm. His sweats were neatly folded on the Dean's desk at the rear of the office. Uh, the chin strap had several snaps. Wayne had to undo nice looking helmet. Pemulus told him Wayne pulling hard on his sweatpants cuffs to fit them over a shoe. Didn't reply. He was so fit. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so yeah, I um, I don't know if John Wayne 
A told Pemulus about this. Um, I, I don't get that impression. I don't think that, but mm -hmm. it's always a possibility. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't seem to be, I, I, I don't know, surprised, embarrassed. Um, I mean, the, the, there's no, there's no bullshit denials, right? Because it's impossible. What can they say? To deny? Yeah. I mean, nothing. Um, nothing very convincing. I, w I wouldn't say. But yeah. um, John is like a weird one, though, because I think yeah. at one point in time, when I, at one point going through this, I think I paid attention, and I think he like in this whole book only says like one word. Yeah. Like, okay. he, like corrects like them when he says plateau or like something like that. He like cor corrects somebody's pronunciation. So it's like, it, he's kind of a weird one in that like he yeah. it comes across as he never speaks, you know, like he's never said a word in the whole book. Um, so it's, mm. you know, just normal for him to just go on, I guess is kind of what I mean. Yeah. Like, he's not saying anything. It's just like, yeah, he doesn't say anything ever. Yeah. He right. sticks in Hal's room and just stands there. Right, right. And, and Hal says it's because they're... Yeah, comfortable yeah. Or comfortable with each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah, because they're such yeah. good friends, etc. Yeah, and, and it's just, you know, the whole time he, like, literally does not... Is never... Never speaks. So it's, uh, you know, what is he? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And then in that scene where, where he, John Wayne, he goes to Hal's room and he... It, right, he sees that Hal is that he doesn't say anything, and then he just leaves. Do you think that happened after? I don't know how long after yeah, this. It's, com it's coming up, I believe. I think right. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Do you think that he wanted to see what Hal's reaction was? Like maybe Pemulus told him, "Yeah, you think?" Yeah, who knows? He's, yeah. Yeah. Know, we. We. Yeah. Um, that that is coming up. We should be there hopefully momentarily um but yeah so um as john wayne kind of leaves uh pemulus uh, pemulus made rather a show of not looking south of her face she pursed her lips to chuff hair out of her eyes i predict this will take about two minutes at most pemulus said smiling mm. um so yeah i mean Ultimately, and I, I think, like, ultimately, he's here because this is after the fallout from the eschaton, and he's he's blackmailing her, right? Mm, right. You know, before this is before the meeting. This In is my, before the meeting, yeah, right? I think yeah. this is Monday, so Sunday is I day. You're this, right. Yes. Like that's how I know that that meeting is actually on Tuesday. Right. Yes. That's how he gets the thirty days from the urinologist. Is yes. Yes. So, yes. Like, and that's why when you say Jamie, he knew. I guess unless this thing happened all the time, how would he know that? John Wayne was going to be there, you know, because he had to be, because he only had like 
this was like oh, the, the day before. Uh, you know, so like he knew this was going down, but mm -hmm. he was kind of waiting until when he was going to catch her and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, I do think that it's something that takes place. And I totally missed that, Kevin. Thank you. Um, I do think that this is something that takes place on a regular basis yeah and knowing that um i guess that makes it all the more likely to me that maybe john wayne is in on it you know maybe pemulus says hey we're gonna be fucked here um i'll do your math homework for the year if you can tell me the next time uh or make you know, it happen on monday night right or if you can you know, mm -hmm. let her know that you'd like to see her. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Um, so, of course, we don't, you know, what we don't get is well, what the fuck happens in two minutes at most. Yeah. You know, again, of all the bullshit that we that we read in this book, there are some pivotal scenes that aren't seen. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Moving on to our boy, Randy Lenz. Um, and, um, you know, the description of his motley hire is <laughs> a, a pretty interesting juxtaposition with Pemulus and his outfit, right? Yeah. Uh, but also, like, a worsted top coat and dark slacks and Brazilian loafers with a high wattage shine and a disguise that makes him look like Andy War Warhol with a tan. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it, it, it's not much of a disguise if you look even, you know, more noteworthy or you know, even more likely to draw attention to yourself. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, lens is fucking coke to the gills. It seems right. Um, and just yapping, um, <laughs> about everything. Um, mm. and I, I would say that a lot of it is probably bullshit, but also a lot of it is not. Mm. Uh, um, he does talk about the uh, the train, the uh, Canadians in their train game. Mm. Um, it, it seems like he references the entertainment at some point. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so so he knows a little something about a little something. Um, I don't know if he knows that he knows that or if he just kind of heard it. Um, and then, uh, so yeah, he's got the meatloaf in his pocket. So he's obviously, he has designs tonight, right? Mm. Um, and he's having a real hard time with getting rid of Bruce Green because mm. he likes him. He likes him. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's, it's kind of funny, right? Like, like lens of all people, like he's, yeah. 
having a hard time ditching Bruce Green. Mm. Um, well, Bruce Green is the coolest. Yeah, he seems it. Like, yeah, man, I, of all the kind of minor characters, Bruce is like the best, you know? So it is, uh, it, yeah. that last part with Randy where you like kind of finish that passage off and you're like, what a piece of shit, you know? This yeah. part I feel like almost kind of like makes you like, all right, Randy's not that bad. He's just got, he's, he's doing this thing with the cats, which is terrible. Yeah. But like you, you know, this whole thing where he's like, he, he's like messed up, you know. And so like, I feel like I come out of this like, and I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? I really don't like Lentz, but like, I kind of like he kind of won me over a little bit with the whole Bruce Green thing and just the whole life story that you're getting through these like yeah. pages, you know? Yeah, and he's, um, you know, he he has some foresight here. Mm -hmm. You know, to say, well, but what would happen if I ditch him and then he ends up being my roommate or, <laughs> you know, we're waiting for the shower at the same time. Yeah. Um, and here it's it's funny. Uh, or if like assuring a bad completed um, or if high zero problem, if he got high, he'd have no problem telling somebody he liked him, even if he really did. Um, but, you, you know, I don't. That would imply that he's not high, um, but I would disagree. And and I think that might be just another instance of Lens. He's not doing this coke to get high. He's doing it to stay sober. It's actually therapeutic. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so this is happening. Uh, Lens will use cocaine in the very interests of sobriety and growth itself. Yeah. Okay. Um, As he said in the last the last section, he is sober in his head. He is. He, it's this does not count. <laughs> right. Yeah. He has no problem taking his uh, chips for sobriety and such. Um, good. Yeah. All of that. Um, all right, so uh, the night noises of the Metro night, um, and then the dogs, uh, and um, oh, except after the maybe five total lines hoovered in a totally pur pur purposive medicinal non-recreational spirit except then instead of assuring green he's a blue chip commodity on lenses exchange but to please screw and let lens stroll home solo with his meatloaf and agenda it eventuates that lens has again miscalculated the effect the bing's hydrolysis will have um so yeah he, he gets all fucked up again you know this is a guy that has done more coke than most it would seem but he seems to constantly misunderestimate what it will do to him uh he always like provisions the effect as cool nonchalant verbal sangfroid but instead lens on the way home finds himself under huge hydraulic compulsion to have green right there by his side 
or basically anyone who can't get away or won't go away right there with him and to share with Green or any compliant ear pretty much every experience and thought he's ever had to give each datum of the case of our lens shape and visible breath as his whole life and then some terraces <laughs> across his mind's arctic horizon trailing phosphines so there's phosphines again yeah um you know if you guys ever been around someone like fucking gassed on coke because no it is pretty like yeah. this is pretty fucking spot on um like just talk 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 just so much um so yeah it talks about the timepieces blah 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 so yeah so lens everybody else has a fucked up family right uh, upbringing yeah it's not surprising that lens does as well right um <laughs> so yeah is this the uh yeah this is where it's about his mom right yeah 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 um so yeah lens's fat mom goes to the bathroom on a bus and then somehow her ass is hanging out the window and well that hasn't happened yet i don't think okay did it, did it? he's just talking about how big she is by going right but not yet oh. right he hasn't he hasn't quite i don't know how that when that comes into how Dave fit that little story in with that. I'm not, not yeah. you know, you shoehorned it in there somewhere, but I, I think for some reason he decided to skip it for this part. I'm not sure why. <laughs> Very good. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Um, there is, uh, Lens tells Green how once he was at a Halloween party where a hydrocephalic woman wore a necklace made of dead galls. Um, and is there a reference to anything I, I i wondered if like what that was all about if that was like something from somewhere else maybe not but well just... i know coming up um bruce green talks about that halloween party right mm. with mildred bonk that's all i could think yeah yeah um so yeah there there's still going here lens fucking yapping um there'd been allegedly a concavity refugee infant at that Halloween party at the home of a South Boston <laughs> orthodontist that dealt lidocaine to Bing retailers on the prescriptional Dickie. Um, so yeah, lens fucking blah, blah, blah. All right. Uh, lens tells green. He knows individual individuals who've heard shit that would blow Green's mind out his ear sockets. Um, there is also the uh, worshipping the infant. Um, the, uh, is that the cult thing? Um, so, so yeah, I mean, there's the thing with Pem uh, Ortho, with Rusk, where they're talking about, you know, the inner child, etc., Presumably, this is another allusion to that. And then Hal goes to that meeting, you know, later. Um, and yeah, and then just no break, chapter break, whatever. 
Uh, there's Hal laying laying in bed. Yeah. Um. So what do, what do you make make of this? So this is just ha- a third of a page. Yeah. Um. That at lunchtime, Hal and Condenza was lying on his bunk in bright sunlight through the window with his hands laced over his chest. And Jim Trolch poked his head in and asked Hal what he was doing. And Hal told him photosynthesizing and then didn't say anything else until Trolch went away. Then, 41 breaths later, Michael Pemulus stuck his head in where Trolch's had been. Um, so what, what, would you, what do you guys make of this little section? Yeah. I mean, you know, nothing really, honestly. I guess I just kind of struggled to kind of put it into place where if this was post uh, meeting with them or if this is Monday or, you know. Yeah. yeah. For me, that's um, kind of where I was just like, when exactly did this happen? Um, you know, and then. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's in the chapter that is on Wednesday the 11th, but something that jumped out at me, it, the whole thing's in past tense. Um, Hal was lying on his bunk. Um, Jim Trolch poked his head in, asked Hal, so... Why? Why is it in past tense? Um, Unless it is just to add some fucking confusion there. Um, You know, to to add some confusion to the timeline and say, okay, well, it's supposed to be on the 11th. But if it's saying, you know, if it's relaying it in past tense, Mm. did it happen before the 11th? I don't know. Um, I, I do think that, I mean, he's measuring time by breaths, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it is, it, it, I don't think it's really a stretch to say he may be considering his mortality, you know, if, if you measure time by the amount of breaths that you take, it's almost like saying, you know, at some point when you're going to stop breathing, um, you know, it's something he could be thinking about. It could also be that he is off of the weed. Yeah. And, you know, if this is the 11th, then presumably it would be like the first day that he's yeah. off of weed. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting little uh, aside, really, you know, just kind of thrown in there. Um, I, I do think that, like I said, the fact that it is um, past tense, I think means has to mean something. Yeah. Um, and, the, and, and that John Wayne is there because if he hadn't been mentioned in this section, then it would mean something else to me. But just because he's mentioning John Wayne after the scene with with Hal's mom, I yeah. think I don't know. We don't know, but to me, it has it has to have something to do with that. Maybe he wants to see how Hal is going to react. Maybe by this 
time. Maybe Hal already knows. He didn't react. He didn't say anything. Neither of them. I, I agree. They stayed like that for a while. So how long? And that must 200 be breaths. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. no, I mean, how long they, they it says they stayed like that for a while. So that must have been, oh, yeah, I yeah. don't know how long, but yeah. really awkward if we know what they know or what they must know. At least we're yeah. looking at each other's. Um, yeah, I I agree. Um, but there's nothing, mm. you know, it, the description is of actions, not of thoughts. Right. So so you know right. what Hal does physically. Right. Um, but mm. that, yeah, that's it. Um, so yeah, that that part is interesting. Mm. Um and then we're right back to Randy and Bruce. Mm. And uh, Randy Lentz regales Bruce Green about certain real estate cults in Southern California and the West Coast of Delawareans that still believe virtual rea reality pornography, even though it had been found to cause bleeding from the eye corners. In real world, permanent impotence was still the key to Shangri-La and believed that some sort of perfect piece of digital holographic porn was circulating somewhere in the form of a bootleg, right protect notched software diskette and devoted their cultic lives to snuffling around, trying to get hold of the virtual Kama Supra Discount. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so this, I mean, it, it is at least reminiscent of the entertainment, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't, mm, mm. I, I don't think that anyone else would describe enter, the entertainment as, uh, you know, a virtual reality porn, but. You know, the rest of it kind of fits. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then there's the Nux that uh, a form of Russian roulette that involved jumping in front of trains and seeing which mm. Nux could come the closest to the train's front without getting demapped. This might be my favorite line of the book. What sounds like Lens chewing gum is really Lens trying to talk and grind his teeth together at the same time. Um. And that, that is a thing uh, I heard from a friend. No. Um, <laughs> one time I went to visit my brother at college and he and I were getting crappy. I was grinding my teeth so bad that I chipped my front tooth. My front tooth was, it was a cap. It was like a temporary because I had broken it in a bike incident. Um, but yeah, I was grinding my teeth so bad that like I chipped my front tooth. So it, probably a lot like Randy Lenz, you know, I was halfway into my night and we were really having a good time. So I sure as fuck did hang out the rest of that weekend with a half a front tooth. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, that is so funny. Um, trying to talk and grind his teeth at the same time, because mm. that those are the two things that he wants to do. Um, and so yeah, yes. So Randy's mom used Greyhound and uh, 
And yeah, Lens discusses a serious disadvantage to dealing bang retail. People show up at your house all hours of the day because mm. they know that you have drugs that they want when they run out in the middle of the night. Um, so, um, what, do, what do you guys make of, of Bruce Green here? Like, just chilling. Like, yeah. I, I mean, do you think it, it doesn't seem like he knows that, that lens is out of his fucking tree, but he should. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess he's just described as like, I think he's just going along to get along. Sure. He's just like letting Lens do his thing. And he's just, you know, more like trying to find his own way in this whole thing. And it's like, I'm just walking home, man. You do whatever you want to do. It's kind of how I, you know. Sure. Kind yeah. of how I take him in this whole situation. I don't think yeah. he's like not smart enough to figure it out, you know? Like, I think he probably is like, but he's more just like in a spot where he doesn't want to like confront Lentz about it, you know, who knows? It kind of came to an head so quickly after this that like, he didn't really, you know, it didn't really get to a point where he felt like, okay, you know, this has gone on long enough. It was like, you know, the mm, next mm, Randy's mm, like, you know, running around in mm, a freaking car. Right. Sure dodging Canadians yeah so. yeah and he and 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 Lance is yeah I, I yeah I see it that that way too and Lance is probably to him is not his his normal I mean it's this is his world didn't he live with that the drug dealer in the trailer with the yep. so Lance is not someone that would call his attention I don't think this is part of the normal for uh, this that's the impression that I have that what Lens is talking about saying the way he's behaving. I don't think it calls his attention because it's he has probably to like, you know, my urine's clean. So uh, really, what you do with yours is like, you know, it's that's your own trip. You know, like you do you, man. Like, yeah. You know, they pull spot on me. I'm fine. Like you know, as long as you're not trying to get me to do it, type of thing. Um, right. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, then the, the, the talk about the Rastafarians who uh, get lost mm -hmm. in the concavity. <laughs> um, very funny. Uh, Green opines mm -hmm. that if Boston AA is a cult that like brainwashes you, he guesses he'd got himself to the point where his brain needed a good brisk washing, which Lens knows is not an original view being exactly what big block-headed Don Gately repeats about once a diem. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Bruce Green has picked up the uh, the lingo, right? Um, yeah, right. And seems to be, seems, you <laughs> know, this AA shit's working for him, right? That paragraph about Lentz talking about Lentz shudders just at the thought of the raging powerless he'd feel. He shares lost and disoriented, wandering in circles in blinding white frozen points due north of all domesticated men. Forget the time, not even knowing what fucking date it was. His breath is an ice beard, yeah. With just his tinder and wits and character to live by. Uh 
you know, like armed this. just with a Browning blade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so between his knife, his Tinder, his wits and his character, yeah. he, he ain't going too fucking far, yeah. is he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. That is great. Yeah. Lens um, cracks, he does crack me up in this whole, this whole last bit. I could read, I could have read 20 more pages of just like, oh. Lens just going like, you know, like he were, whoever is narrating this part, it's like one of those narrators that I just like, I love the way that it's just like oh. one oh. thing after the other. And I'm just like, I, 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 I really enjoy this part for, for, you know, coming off, especially the last bit with Lentz and the cats and stuff. This one is just, it's Lentz is like, he comes off as just so freaking funny to me. Yeah. And, and like the, uh, Mixed metaphors are hysterical to me. Like when people fuck up metaphors, like, yeah. uh, that's no walk in the cake. What? <laughs> like, and yeah, the, the narration is all over. It, it certainly is. Um, I mean, it's using lenses, words and word thoughts mm, and right. thought words, etc. I just um, I have one question before we end this, like, on this last page of this one, if we go up like about maybe to the first third, we mm -hmm. get like the that yours truly, mm -hmm. you know, like which is like way back from like the Christmas Eve bit. Like, do you make anything of that, like recycling of yours truly, which was like Emil saying it was like poor Tony and C and yours truly. He kept referring to himself as yours mm. truly, and this is like kind of maybe the only other time that it is used you know like i guess that's just my one thing is like those sit is the narrator the same because that narrator was probably emil I, yeah so, emil minty or yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah i don't think lens was yours truly um i i don't think that wallace fucked up and put it in there, but it is, I, I don't know what to make of it, Kevin. I, I noticed it too, and it is interesting, but I don't know what to make of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. so uh, moving on back to the Ennett house, so selected snippets from the individual resident informal interface moments of DW Gately, which is funny because what is DW? Um, DW, there's like a company that's called DW something, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah. yeah um, no, it, it rings a bell for me too, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, on and off from just after the Brookline Young People's AA meeting up to about 2329, Wednesday. So this is the same day. Um, and 19 hours after the you know, Joel and him sitting, watching the snow in the window. So much later on that same day. Yeah. Yep. And Gately starts with, uh, I don't know why all this shit about wanting to hear about the football all the time. And I'm not going to make my goddamn muscle. It's stupid. Okie doke. It's, it's inappropriate since you like words like that. Um, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, that one, I, I think, is certainly him talking to Joel. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, my sponsors like that, Joel and White Flag. Can I ask, is your own personal daddy still alive? I don't know. 
Oh, oh, my mother's dead. Worm farming. Uh, my own personal daddy's still sucking air, though. That's how he puts it. Still sucking air in Kentucky. Um, so, yeah, my mother's a worm farmer from way back, though. So, again, if we are to take the uh, story of Joel's mom dying at face value, you think she may have mentioned a little bit more, you know, because it, it really was noteworthy. Um, but uh, so, um, so yeah, she's talking about the meeting. Um, and you, you know, and, and this one guy that was talking, etc. Uh, Joel, you're maybe about the last person to be taking somebody's inventory about weird ways they dress under there, maybe. Um, kiss my rosy red ass, maybe. Uh, remind me to log how it's real positive to see you coming out of this shell of yours. Um, so, huh. so, yeah, then it's Chandler Foss. Uh, had, had a little coffee tonight, have we, Foss? Um, and, and yeah, so he's talking. The uh, Jeff D and Nell G are in the living room asking them to think if their higher power is omnipotent enough to make a suitcase that's too heavy for him to lift. Which, you know, it's like telling one of these fuckers to sit in the corner of a round room. It's just, um, yeah. And so there's that. Um, and, and what is the other part here? Um, the cookie. Oh, does Chandler Foss stutter? That's what, is that what that is? I think he's just fucking gassed on caffeine. Okay. Um, and uh, McDade is there. And by the way, uh, my dad used to bowl too when he still had a thumb. Um, Gately's bowling shirt. And, and this part is hysterical to me. I don't care what the sick bastard told you, Yolanda. Getting on your knees in the AM to ask for help does not mean getting on your knees in the AM while this sick yutz stands in front of you and unzips his fly, and you ask for help into his fly. I'm praying this is not a male resident said this. <laughs> um, and, of course, it's Lens, right? Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And I didn't even tell you yet how he suggested I should thank the higher power at night. Oh, my God. Um, and how he said how I always have to be on the south of him, like stay on his south side. And I have to buy a digital watch. Holy Christ, this is Lens. Is this Lens you're telling me about? I ain't use no names in here. All I say, he seemed real friendly and fly at first. Um. So, uh, yeah, and uh, that's that. Um, so this is, you know, to, to jump forward a little bit, this is probably taking us right up until Lens and Green come tear in or whatever, or 
No, they don't make it in. Yeah. Um, mm. So, uh, yeah. So, so on one hand, Gately may have been happy for the interruption for a moment, um, but and moving on, Oren. Um, so, Oren is embracing the putatively Swiss hand model in the rented room. Um, Kevin, I, I know you had posted something about this on Instagram. Yeah. What, what do you make of, of this? Like, well, I mean, yeah, um, you know, because we get that 234 footnote, which kind of jumps us back to Helen and Oren and the inappropriate questions that he's asking about the family and whatnot. Yep. And, um, yeah, and then uh, uh, there's this bit where Oren, it's described as Oren uh, standing with his forehead against the glass of the Weston back door, and then, or rather, the Delta Gate window. And um, and what Hime was saying, at, we, she she was saying that that this was himself saying this because when Oren was telling the story of the um, rototiller and the mom that himself had been standing at his back door watching mm. that whole scene, which okay. like kind of blew my mind, he made. That was like really good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was like, oh, crap. I didn't even put that together that that he was like, had put himself there and was like, that's why he made, I kind of figured it was just that Oren made the slip because he had just been sort of telling that story. But the idea that himself made the slip because himself was actually the one with his head up against the door is, was really amazing. I thought, and I think probably, I yeah, what I said was, I think that Jamie, that, cause I know you think that James is, doing a lot of narration here. And I think that that's like kind of some mm. of the most hard evidence that like shows me that like, yeah, he actually is, you know? Yeah. Cause I, that, that was what I had said to you. Cause you know, it's like when you, when you read this, it's real easy to look at it and say, well, the narrative is like this cause Oren doesn't give a fuck about these ladies. They're subjects. So why would he expound upon the actual physical acts? But also, if it's himself narrating, he's sure as fuck not going to do it either. You know? Yeah. yeah you know? It, 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 so, yeah, I think there's there, there may be a little of both of that happening there. Um, but yeah, there's the, again, I think we touched on this and the other part where it's just such an incredible coincidence. If you would believe that, that out of nowhere, here is this Swiss hand model mm. who has a young child that, you know, that is right in Oren's wheelhouse. Um, and at just at the moment that his heart was going to break uh, because Steeply wouldn't let him put his hand on her thigh. Um, so, yeah, they would get um, 
So Oren can see past her head the large hanging mirror and the small framed photos of her Swiss family arrayed along the wood grain dresser below the window. The tubby-faced man and Swiss-looking kids all smiling trustingly into a nothing somewhere up and to their right. They have shifted into a sexual mode. Um, so her lids flutter, his clothes. He doesn't, he doesn't care what she looks like. Um, uh, she is left-handed. Um, and do we think that this is not Avril? I don't think it is. I don't know. Yeah, I think I it's. I think it's whoever. I think it's Luria P. For which you know sure. may or may not be, you know Avril at the end of the day, because um, I think that didn't they say later on that she's got the same Swiss accent or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. It's not about glands or instincts or the split second shiver and clench of leaving yourself, nor about love or about whose love you deep down desire by whom you feel betrayed. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, that seems to me to be about Avril, right? Because I, I think that, I think that that, pretty accurately describes his feeling for Avril um, that he's been betrayed by her. Um, not and never love, which kills what needs it. It feels to the punter, so again, so detached, right? So he's described as Oren, but now he, he's just the punter. Um, yeah. It feels to the punter rather to be about hope an immense wide as the sky hope of finding a something in each subject's fluttering face. A something the same that will propitiate hope somehow. Pay its tribute the need to be assured that for a moment he has her. Now has won her as if from someone or something else. Something other than he, but that he has her and is what she sees and all she sees that it is not conquest but surrender mm. that he is both offense and defense and she neither nothing but this one second's love of her of her spinning as it arcs his way not his but her love that he has it this love his shirt off now in the mirror that for one second she loves him too much to stand it that she must, she feels, have him, must take him inside or else dissolve into worse than nothing, that all else is gone, that her sense of humor is gone, her petty griefs, triumphs, memories, hands, career betrayals, the deaths of pets, that there is now inside her a vividness vacuumed of all but his name, oh, oh, that he is the one. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, I think about the scene where, um, himself kind of, I'm going to use the word begs, but it's not right. Not to watch the porn. 
um, where, where he says, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. kind of very much like, like the moms, I feel like, like, of course, I'm not going to tell you what to do or what not to do, but I right. really, really like it if you didn't do that. Um, and we'll get there, but, but I think this is really what himself was saying. If, you know, if, if you learn about sex or you learn how to fuck by watching a porn, what's going to happen is you're going to become detached from the person. And that is actually the most important part, um, in himself's opinion, I happen to share it too. Um, but the, you know, the most important part of having sex is the other person that you're having sex with. Um, and you know, Oren, I, I feel like, you know, he, he does the uh, college try with it, right? He, he is trying to show empathy and to put himself in her shoes. Um, and, and basically all she, at least in his mind, all that she's thinking about is him and how much she needs and wants him. Mm-hmm. Um and there is uh yeah yeah so for were there for him just one now special and only the one would be not he or she but what was between them the obliterating trinity of you and i into we Oren felt that once and has never recovered and will never again. Um, so I, I think it's pretty clear that was Joel, right? That, that yeah. he felt that with and hasn't recovered from. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I mean, yeah, he's basically saying, yeah, I'll, I'll fuck mad bitches, but, you know, I don't love a hoe or whatever. Um because, you know, he, he obviously, however, and, and that's another thing that we never see, um, you, you know, the, the dissolution of that relationship obviously hit Oren hard um, and mm. affected him, I mean, pretty, pretty fantastically. Um you know, in that he has actually changed his everything. Um, and uh, they've stripped each other neatly. They're stripped in the mirror. And she, in a kind of virtuoso jitterbug that is 100% new world, uses O's uneven shoulders as support to leap and circle his neck with her legs and she arches her back and is supported her weight by just one hand at the small of her back as he bears her to bed as would a waiter a tray um so yeah i um don't know that there's too much more there um oh no, the, okay. the footnote of course, we can talk about that, but go ahead, Hime. Thank you. This is this is the part for me that because Oren to me is a jerk, but this is the part where I feel again it's another reminder of how Wallace makes he does such a great job at 
constructing the character. You, this is a jerk to me, right? This is a jerk that you can, you can't hate, but you can't, you can't, you, you may, you like, right? You realize, oh, he has, he's a complex person. He is, this is almost poetic. Yeah, maybe it's it's not his fault that he's a man slut because fucking look at what Joel did to him. You well, know, but I mean, it, I don't know if he's full or not. I mean, everybody is able to make decisions, and Orin is able or should be able to. But, but, but it's more than that. It's more than what I'm saying is that to me, that's what this part did to me about Orin, make me see it that it's more than what it seems. It's not just a guy. Oh, pe- people, I mean, women are objects for yes. him. What a jerk. And you dismiss him, you don't like him, you don't care. But he makes you, I think he, as in Wallace, I think he makes you as a reader care for a person that you would. And probably it's the same thing with poor Tony and Lens. And Lens. He, he makes you care, right, about someone that you would usually just dismiss. He's just too disgusting. I'm not going to waste my time on this person. Right, I don't care. I mean, how, how much fun is it or how interesting is it to read about someone that you can't fucking yeah. stand? Right. You know, that, that has absolutely no redeeming qualities. Yeah. That's, that, that's not it, you know? So, yeah, I agree. Totally, Hime. Um, I would say that probably every character in this book, except for Mario, fits huh. that. Fits, huh. fits that where, you know, I, I don't know that we ever get to the point where we're on the fence about Hal or don't, you know, like, ah, oh, this guy's kind of a douche. But, you know, there are certainly parts of there are certainly parts of all of these characters that, you know, that show they are more than, um, you know, angelic, that that they do have that dark side, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, Yeah. And the uh, footnote um, basically is the... um, the interview, right? Mm. Yeah. Is that a, right. The, um, where the hell is it? What? Which footnote? Two thirty-four. Two thirty-four. Yeah, and you know, I definitely have to read that last little paragraph of that last part with the idea or with the thought that himself is is kind of saying that because I think it kind of changes it a little bit for me i don't think i had um and which part is that kevin like just the last part where they're talking about um y- you know the last paragraph um with the parentheses of uh you know talking about uh you and i we uh, oh right 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 and then just that last paragraph and about contempt um you know it is mm. kind of interesting because it is kind of a deep sort of thing about Oren's like feelings that it's kind of interest. I think that I always thought that this was Oren narrating this, you know, up until just like, you know, when he may said that thing about himself yeah. and um, yeah, you know, so I think it, it kind of changes it a little bit. Uh, just all those descriptions of how Oren is feeling. I'm going to re- reread it again and see. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's um, mm. yeah. It's definitely because he needs them, needs her. Because he needs her, he fears her, and so hates her a little. Yeah. Hates all of them. 
A hatred that comes out disguised as a contempt he disguises in the tender attention with which he does the thing with her buttons, touches the blouse as if it too were part of her and him, as if it could feel. Um, yeah. Yeah, super interesting. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, the uh, footnote here is the transcript fragments from the interview series uh, for Putative Moment Magazine soft profile. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, it, so basically, yeah, this is what Oren saying, look, I'm not going to talk about this shit. I don't, I'm not answering any of your questions. And then he just goes on to answer all our questions, right? <laughs> Uh, well, it's been pretty obvious since early on out in Weston, the mom says OCD. The only reason she's never been diagnosed or treated for it is that in her, the disorder doesn't prevent her from functioning. It all seems to come back to functioning. Traversion is character, according to Stitt. One guy I was close to at ETA for years developed the kind of impairing OCD where you need treatment. Um, so Oren does seem to also be like asked a question and really take it and run with it. Right. Mm. Like, like, you know, almost like he's running out the clock. Like if I can, this question's not too bad. So if I can talk about Marlon Bain for 10 minutes, that's 10 fewer minutes. We have to talk about himself's head in the microwave. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to talk about it. No, and don't insult my intelligence. I'm not going to talk about why I don't want to talk about it. If this is going to be a moment article, Hallie's going to read it, and then he'll read it to Boo Boo, and I'm not talking about the stork's death or the mom's stability in a thing where they'll read about it and have to read some authoritative report on my take on it instead of coming to their own terms about it. With it, rather. Terms with. Terms about. No, terms with it, um, which is a funny reason for Oren not to want to talk about it because he doesn't want to cloud mm. how his brothers are processing the grief. Um, yeah, so... Um, Yeah, uh, I, I don't, is there any, so, oh, so here on 1041, obviously, it seems obvious that Helen asks where himself is buried. Uh, in the mom's family plot, St. Quelcacos, Quebec or something, never been there. His will said only not anywhere near his own dad's plot, right near Maine. Heart of the concavity, the mom's hometowns wiped off the map. Bad eco-cycles, real machete country. I'd have to try to recall the town. But so, but then so, the mom's is out in the cold garden. It's March and it's so cold. I've got this story down. <clears throat> I've related this incident to several family type professionals and not one eyebrow stayed steady among them. This is the sort of antidote that makes pathogenic systems pros eyebrows go all the way up and over their skull and disappear down the back of their neck 
Um, so he tells Helen about the mold story, right? Which, mm. what is the big deal with this mold story? It's not really anything like crazy. You know, okay. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, it doesn't seem, not, I don't know why anybody's eyebrows are going too wild. It's, you know, seems actually kind of normal that, um, you know, that a four year old is going to eat fucking anything. And that the mom is going to flip out when he does. So it, it is actually, it's kind of, I don't know why he described it in such kind of uh, dramatic ways, you know. I totally agree with you, Kevin. Um, I think it's, yeah, maybe, maybe it could be the, the, um, the reaction of the mother. Maybe he was expecting the mother to react like more tenderly i don't know and then at the end there's a part where he says the neighbor had to come and use the hose so i don't know maybe he's <laughs> he's not telling the whole story maybe there's something there but i to me it's something weird that avril did or said the way she yeah. reacted what she and did or what she didn't do as a mother i yeah. was wondering if maybe like it was around this time that maybe Oren and Avril started their whatever the fuck they were doing, you know? Um, mm. But I, I, there's no real evidence of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Where the fuck? He says, this is the most I've thought about the moms in a dog's age, to be honest with you. You have this way of getting stuff out of me. It's like you do nothing but sit there with that cigarette and you're all I can see and all I want is to please you. It's like I can't help it. Is this just good journalism, Helen? Uh, it reminds me that there's a Bukowski poem that ends. The last line is, sometimes it's hard to tell whether it's good poetry or bad acid. Um and yeah, is this just good journalism, Helen, or bad acid? Um, or is there something more going on here? Some kind of strange bond I feel between us that sort of like tears down all my normal personal life boundaries and makes me open totally to you? I guess I have to hope you won't take advantage. Does this all sound like some kind of line? Maybe if it was a line, it'd sound less lame. I guess I do wish I could come off more suave. I don't know what else to do except just tell you what's going on inside me, even if it sounds lame. I never have any clue what you're thinking about it. And then, yeah, right into the story. Help, my son ate this. Um, and is is there anything that jumped out at you guys that, was different in Oren's retelling than in um, either of the other retellings of the mold story. I mean, th there's a little bit more embellishment, but I don't, I, I think everything seems, you know, to be the same. Like, I, I don't think that one, you know, retelling is way off or way different than the other. Did you guys notice anything? I, I think it's, I agree with you. Okay. Yeah. Um, but what, what about, yeah. What about the, that again, this is against 
Avril. Um, she says that she had a, oh yeah, a humiliating little family pet name for the kid for Hal. So she called him something that was humiliating. Yeah, and... I, yeah I, so, I don't know. So I don't know if this is Oren's intention when he tells the story to make Avril look bad or because Avril is really bad. So, but I yeah. don't know if this is Oren's intention mm -hmm. or it came out like that because it's actually true. Or he's, you know, maybe trying to minimize or, you know, put her down a little so that Helen doesn't see her as competition, um, which would be kind uh -huh. of, it, huh. it, it would be a, a goofy subliminal type thing. But guy, I've heard guys do that, you know, they, uh -huh. Huh. Um, you know. Like, oh, no. Oh, that last chick I was banging? No. She, you would not believe, you would not believe the things she did. Like, she couldn't even handle this, you know. Um, right. So, so th there could certainly be a part of that there. Yeah, uh, see, I, and I'm not, sorry to interrupt you, Jamie. Go ahead. You know, I actually, I didn't finish this last part. Uh, and now just reading, like, that last line of page, uh, 1043 with and with those two at the back doors glass just watching and fucking boo boo also trying to make that frame with his hands so, like, oh yeah that's so wow. bad that's yeah it's like so good like so even little mario is like sitting there going, yes if we were filming this this is how i would frame this it's like so fucking good it yeah. is i agree yeah. and there is a movie about this right <laughs> I, I I would have no. to check the filmography, but I thought that huh. I thought the mold eating got its own movie, but I can I can check into that. But um, all right, so we uh, this will be our last section, um, the Idris Arslanian. Uh, so Idris is walking around with a blindfold, right? Mm. Um, because, uh, do you guys remember Hal? It, it's mentioned Hal had, uh, yeah. met with a kid who was blind and super young, but super good. Yeah. So yeah. allegedly they think that he's good because he can't oh. see. So our Slanians walking around with a blindfold, um, and, um, so yeah so a, a lot of it is borderline racist right <laughs> like y y you know the the you can almost hear the fake accent um and yeah and he, he mm -hmm. says kind of what the fuck is going on in the weight room what what is that sound and it's um it's anton duchette who's crying or you know just really in a bit of psychic trauma. Um, <laughs> and so next thing, uh, yeah, so that's Ted Shock. And Arslanian has to pee. And he's trying to get 
uh, Ted to bring him to the bathroom, but he's gone. Uh, and then uh, James Trolch slightly doubled over, um, which is great. That just reminds me of there's there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer goes on like the Horde tour or something. And <laughs> um, Billy Corgan comes up to him and says, hi, I'm Billy Corgan, smashing pumpkins. Hi, Homer Simpson, smiling politely. <laughs> like, Trolch, James L., huh. slightly doubled over. Um, <laughs> the Horde door. <laughs> it is I, Idris Arslanian, wearing a rayon handkerchief as a blindfold over my features. I am disoriented and wishing badly for a lavatory, wondering also what is ensuing inside the weight room, where shocked alleges you are all watching Doucette weep in clinical depression. Um, so in that, but this is Pemulus, right? Yeah. Uh, no, nah, I was just fucking with you. I'm wearing a <laughs> blindfold too. Um, and so, so, I mean, the, the, the thing that jumps out at me here, the rest of the stuff um, you know, I don't know. It doesn't do too much for me, but it does. I, I feel like this is the best, uh, explanation of the, uh, fission fusion, etc., and what happens, right? Um, so basically when they shoot the shit, this like poison um so when when they shoot this poison it, i'm calling it poison all their garbage and shit mm -hmm. um it makes it, it's like a fertilizer right and, and it makes the place grow like crazy um and, and that was what oren was talking about where you said, you know, you need machete to get to whatever. Um, so commit this one simple model to your little Pakistani ram cells, and you'll tap dance right through Watson's kitty physics and up into optics, which is where the abstracto conceptual fur really flies, kid. Let me tell you. Um, I am one of the seldom of my home nation whose talents are weak in science, unhappily. This is why God also gave you quick hands and a wicked lob off the backhand, though. Uh, so, uh, the toxofusions wastes plutonium fluorides refined into plutonium-239 and uranium-238. Um gets piped or cat catapulted or long shiny trucked way up to what used to be Loring Air Force Base, near what used to be Presque Isle, Maine, where it's allowed to decay naturally and then added to the UF fractional waste also piped up to Montpelier, then fashioned in a purposely ugly way, in such a way as to create like hellacious amounts of highly poisonous radioactive waste, which are mixed with heavy water, and specially heated zirconium pipe through specially special heavily guarded heated zirconium pipes back down to Montpelier as raw material for the massive poisons needed for toxic lithiumization 
and waist intenseness and annular fusion. My head is spinning on its axis. Um, just a moving right triangle, cy triangular cycle of interdependence and waste creation and utilization. See? Um, and uh, yeah, incidentally, the arrhythmic meaty whacking sound is Booger hitting himself in the thigh and chest in there, which self-abuse is a textbook symptom of an anxiously depressed episode. With this, I can create sympathy. Uh, for, confusingly to me, fusion produces no waste. This we are taught in the science of my home nation. This is the very essence of the promise of the attraction of fusion for a densely populous and waste-impacted nation such as mine. We are taught fusion to be self-sufficient and wasteless perpetuation. Also, al alas, my need to visit the lavatory is becoming distended. Um, so, um, so it's also at just this point in the fusion wastelessness problem where our own glorious optical founder, Inks X Da, Mrs. Inks poor cuck. I, I, I don't know if she was going to call him a cuckold. I, yeah. I don't, um, I know who you refer uh, the man himself at just this point makes his final lasting contribution to state science after he quit designing neutron diffusion reflectors for defense. Um, uh, hold your water one second. You wouldn't even fucking be here without Inks die, you know? What the guy did was he helped design these special holographic conversions so the team that worked on annulation could study the behavior of subatomics sub in highly poisonous environments without getting poisoned themselves. So that part I think is really important. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, it, it basically tells me that he knows how to, one, be exposed, two, expose other people to environments or situations that could be lethal, harmful, poisonous without getting poisoned themselves. Um, so whether that is the same sort of thing that he used to edit the entertainment and not go batshit, um, you know, um, just I, well, I think that's interesting. Yeah, that next line of that paragraph is kind of distills it down to what he did. Yes. Go ahead and read that, Kevin. Uh, it says, uh, they, and this is uh, what Arnold, what the kids. Arslanian, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they thus are studying holographic conversions of the poison instead of the poisons. So it's like he photocopies what needs to be studied and then it, they're just studying the photocopy, not the poisonous. Thing right, so, right. Okay. Almost like the chemical equation rather than the chemical. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like an optical glove box, the ultimate prophylactic. Um, so the whole theory behind the physics of it comes out of medicine. Um, so yeah, this is really what made me kind of start to understand it. Like, like chemo. Chemo is poison, but they use it to like fucking poison the poison. Yeah. 
Um, so, um, so yeah, that's what, what what's happening. Um, and the natural fusion site in the Great Concavity. Um, here things get abstractly furry. Uh, the only kertwang in the whole process environmentally is that the resultant fusion turns out so greedily efficient that it sucks every last toxin and poison out of the surrounding ecosystem. All inhibitors to organic growth for hundreds of radial clicks in every direction. Um, so you end up with a surrounding environment so fertilely lush, it's practically unlivable. Hmm. A rainforest on storabolic anoids. Close enough. Um, which, which is totally ironic, right? Like, that it, it's almost like Joelle being so pretty, she's ugly. Um, this area is so void of toxins that it's unlivable. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, so I think that that, oh, and, and then there's this, um, as if time itself were vastly sped up, as if nature itself had desperately to visit the laboratory. Um, yes. Okay. So, so the major catapulting is on what days? The dates which are in each month prime numbers until midnight, which eradicates the overgrowth until the toxins are fused and utilized. The satellite scenario is that the eastern part of grid three goes from overgrown to wasteland to overgrown several times a month, with the first week of the month being especially barren and the last week being like nothing on earth as if time itself were vastly sped up, as if nature had desperately to visit the lavatory. Accelerated phenomena, which is actually equivalent to an inc incredible slowing down of time. The mnemonic rhyme Watson tried to get the bug to remember here is wasteland to lush, time's in no rush. Um, so this part of it reminds me of the wraith a little bit. Do you get that? Where, where time is either speeded up or slowed way down. Hmm. Um, because, you know, the Wraith says basically everything is so fucking slow. But to Gately, it's like, what the, where the fuck did you go? You were just right here. Now you're gone. And you're telling me that in the two seconds you were gone, you just did whatever. So Gately sees it as happening very quickly. But for the Wraith, it's happening very, very slowly. Hmm. Uh, and this is what the bug's saying is eating him alive the worst, conceptually. He says he's toast if he can't wrap his head around the concept of time in flux, conceptually. Um, so that's that. And then uh, Pemulus remembers, realizes that Arslanian is Muslim, uh, hence no caffeine, booze, drugs, and get some pee from them, right? Mm -hmm. Right. All right. I commit no illegal or degrading acts, but I will, if forced, beg. Uh, you're Muslim, <laughs> ain't that right? Devoutly. Um, 
All right. So, uh, so we're going to stop there for the Bills game. Um, any. It's warm there, Hime? It's super warm. It's horrible. It's oh, not yeah. warm. It's hot. It's it's eight thirty, almost eight thirty p.m., and it's like ninety degrees outside. So that must suck. Yeah, it's horrible. It's like what twenty degrees here? Where are you, Chile? I'm jealous. Yeah, Where I am Chile. Yes, because it's bright too. Is it bright outside? It gets. It is. It gets right, dark. and it's eight thirty at night. No. Well, I thought you were on the same time as us. I was, but now we have a two-hour difference. After oh, really? That happened, I think, in November or December. Oh, yeah. Huh. Huh. yeah. I didn't realize. Um, all right. So what did you guys make of, of this stuff today? Um, I, I think it is funny to see. That was a good section. The interrelatedness. Um, like, like we go from Pemulus dressing like a jackass to Lens dressing like a jackass. Yeah. Um, you know, we have just the detached, um, you know, Oren fucking the hand model, but really being described as somewhere else. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's really, I almost get the impression that this is kind of like Wallace, lulling us in to mm. something you know and then obviously we'll get into lens with the dog and that whole fucking mayhem next time yeah. um but it really just seems like you know nothing to see here we're just a couple couple of dudes talking some math you know um but yeah he well, had to put that part in somewhere and he's like eh, how about right here good as any right exactly <laughs> i agree um Cool. Well, guys, thank you so much. Um, we will do it again soon. And uh, go Bills. Yeah, go Bills. See you guys. Cool. See you.